Welcome to Milk and Meat, a podcast about food in the Bible and motherhood. I am your host, Nina Marie, aka Mama Wheel. I'm a certified labor doula, postpartum doula, and lactation educator. These are my birth world credentials. I'm also certified as a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and restorative wellness practitioner. All in all, I know some things about birth and some things about nutrition. Additionally, I graduated from Moody Bible Institute here in my hometown in Chicago. Thus, this podcast is emerging of all of my loves, the Bible, nutrition, and motherhood. It was a strange road that led me here, but one that I know God laid out for me because if I'm honest, I don't think I would have thought this up for myself. This is episode two called Spiritual and Nutritional Conformity. And in this episode, we're going to cover only one Bible verse. Well, actually, it's two. It's conjoined um, because my husband told me not to be a Theo book when I do these things. Um, And it's about conformity to the world and how we combat conformity to the world. Um, And then we'll get into nutritional conformity and what that looks like and how to combat nutritional conformity. So I wanted to do this. Because earlier this week on Sunday, I was in a Bible study, um, just leading discussion with some other women from my church around this passage, and I'd been pondering on it for a while and how it can relate to other aspects of life. And so I thought this would be a perfect place to discuss that. So we're going to dive right in. Our passage for this episode is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Um, This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. Uh, There is a promise at the end that we can know God's will. Let me go ahead and read that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There is a prerequisite. Um, We are to be a living sacrifice. This requires our constant death to self and life by the Spirit. A sacrifice was not something that stayed alive. Um, And so there is a spiritual sacrifice in this sense that we're putting the flesh to death. And that is something that has to be done intentionally all the time. It's not something that we do once and then can move on. Um, It is something that we are doing in every moment, in every decision that we make, um, how we react to other individuals, how we react with our spouse, our children, um, family members. We are to be a living sacrifice in all situations. Um, And then the word here, conform. So Be the living sacrifice. Present your body as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable. And don't be conformed to this world. So this term conformed in Greek conveys the idea of being molded. And our job is to reject this molding that the world tries to have us conform to. Um, What does that look like in your life? What does conformity look like? Um, it, It can be really blatant. Like... The breaking of the law, murder, theft, idolatry, disobedience to parents, um, etc. But it can also be um, subtle. So those other ones are really easy to spot. 
And so in our decision to not be conformed to the world, that's easy to like check off a list. I'm not stealing from anyone. I'm not uh, lying about my neighbor. I'm not coveting my neighbor's wife or house or mule or whatever. Um, So there, I'm not conforming to the world. But what about the sins of the heart? Um, Bitterness, greed, gluttony. Um, Those are not so evident. And, And in Galatians 5, where we are given the description of the fruit of the spirit just prior to that, Um, Paul describes the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh. And so you can see that those things are not so um, external, at least not all of them. Some of them are. Um, But the results or the antidote to the works of the flesh are the fruit of the spirit, which are not as blatant. You don't, you know, the the works of the flesh were things like drunkenness and orgies and all that stuff. I don't have the verse in front of me, but those are the two that just came to mind. <laughs> um, but the the fruit of the spirit, they, they weren't these things that you can see. Peace, love, joy, um, gentleness, self-control, kindness, all of those things. That That's something of the heart. And so when we are trying to reject conformity to this world, we have to be diligent to know what that looks like. And it can it can be different for everyone. I may not struggle with um, lying or stealing, right? But someone else might. Or I may struggle with uh, covetousness and jealousy. And someone else doesn't really. They're content. Um, so it's important to understand like how it is that the world is molding us in order to combat that. Um, and, and the verse tells us how. Don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so conformity is rejected by the transformation that comes from the renewal of our minds. And so what's interesting here is that the term transformed here is used only one other place in, in the New Testament, and that is when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And so he is transfigured before his disciples. And it said his uh, face, I think, was shine, shone bright, and his hair was white, I think it is. Um, so he's transfigured, and that was something spiritual that occurred there. Um, and so when we are to not be conformed to this world, when we are to reject being molded to look like the world, we do so by renewing our mind. So our mind has to be transformed. How do we do that? Or why should we do that? Why is why does our mind need to be tra- renewed? Um, Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the human mind is the most deceitful of all things. It is incurable. No one can understand how deceitful it is. And we deceive ourselves if we think that is not us. <laughs> this is further evidence that the verse is true. Like if we think that our minds are not deceitful, if we think we do understand the depth of the our minds, then we're fooling ourselves. Um, and further shows that Jeremiah 17.9 is correct in its assessment of the human mind. Um, but how do we renew our minds? First... 
by the grace of the Holy Spirit. It's also interesting here that the term renewal is used in one other place in Titus 3.5, and that is tied to regeneration um, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, it says. And so renewal of our mind cannot occur outside of the grace of the Holy Spirit. I mean, verse one tells us we need to be a living sacrifice. And so if we are being unwilling to present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship, then we're not going to be able to renew our mind as verse two tells us to, because the beginning of all of this is regeneration. Um, We must first come to life in Christ Jesus. We must first reject the ways of this world and and agree with God that his ways are right and what he says is correct and good and right. Um, and so without the grace of the Holy Spirit, without regeneration, there is no renewal of the mind. Um, there are some other passages like in Romans one in particular that talks about the mind. And so in our natural sinful state, our minds are darkened and depraved. I think that might be Colossians. I could be wrong or Ephesians. Um, Our minds without the renewal given as a gift and regeneration will not see fit to acknowledge God. That's Romans one. And then that leads God to handing us over to the evil that our heart was given to worship. And so there was a book that I read many years ago by John Piper, and it was called Think, or is called Think. And the whole premise of that book is, it's simple. It can be summed up in that our minds, whatever we feed our minds, whatever our minds are given to ponder, is what we, the mind then gives the heart to worship. And so if we are not thinking rightly, if we are not thinking on those things that are true and lovely and honorable, as Philippians uh, 4 tells us, then we are giving our minds things that are dishonorable, not lovely, untrue. And that is the fuel that we give our heart to worship. And so what we think on is what we worship. Um, And there's there's no way to get around that. And so what do you spend your time pondering on pondering on (laughs) oh like what do you spend your time thinking about is it things that are true and honorable and lovely and good and right um or is it things that just don't align with what god has called us to think about um if we are to renew our minds we need to think about that which is right and we need to think rightly about things. Um, and in order to do that, we need to be diligent to know the scriptures. We need to be like the Bereans who heard the preaching of the apostles and went back to the scriptures to confirm that what they were saying was true. And if we are not diligent to know what is true, then we cannot renew our minds. We can't spot what isn't true uh, when we come across what isn't true. We need to be able to um, discern untruth or lies and discern when we are being deceived by the world, by others, by ourselves. Um, And we can't do that outside of regeneration. Um, So 
renewing our mind is important because our mind is the most deceitful of all things. And it only comes about first and foremost by the grace of the Holy Spirit as a part of the gift of regeneration. Um, And another way to ensure that we are renewing our mind is to be studying scripture diligently. God's word is the standard of standard of truth. Um, Second Timothy three sixteen, I think it is. Um, the word is God breathed, and it's good for reproof and correction and whatnot. Um, we need to have a grasp of what God's word teaches in order to spot what needs correcting, and it is our standard. Um, it is the only standard. There is no other thing that can that we are to use to discern what is true and what is false. Um, The scriptures is the ultimate authority in our lives. Whether you follow Jesus or not, the scriptures are the ultimate authority because they are the final word of of God on various things. Um, You have the principles, you have his commands, you have, um, he, he tells you what is right and what is wrong in the scripture and so it is important for us to be hiding the word in our heart in order to spot what's off in order to correct what's off in order to um understand when we are being fooled or deceived um and then once we obey to be that living sacrifice uh which means that we're agreeing that God's law is good and that our our obedience to the requirements is right and good so once we we agree to present our bodies as a living sacrifice sacrifice and reject the conformity to the world by being transformed by renewing our minds then that beautiful promise at the end then we can discern god's will for our lives in those moments where we have decisions to make that don't have a bible verse that directly apply so should I buy this house? Should I not? Should I move? Should I quit this job? Should I take this job? Should I go back to school? Should I have that procedure for my child? Should I marry this person? Should I whatever? When we come to that place in life and we don't have a chapter and verse to tell us which way to go, God promises to um, provide that answer clearly in so far as Verses one and two B are done. Like it two A, we are to present our body as a living sacrifice. We are to reject being conformed to the world, being molded into what the world wants us to look like, um, and be instead transformed by renewing our mind. When we are obedient to that, we can discern God's will, and He makes it clear what that is, and it will be pleasing and perfect and acceptable to him and so conformity to this world um leaves us dead and unfulfilled like the what the world promises it cannot give um and if it tries to it falls short of what we thought it would be um instead transformation and being and presenting our body as a living sacrifice having that spiritual worship that is holy and acceptable to god will produce the discernment that we need in order to one spot when when we're when the world is trying to mold us right so we'll be able to spot when 
little things like bitterness or jealousy are creeping up in us or when it's acceptable to do, have those things like we'll, we're able to discern no this is conformity to the world I need to continue in transformation by the renewal of my mind and we'll also be able to discern those things where we need specific answers for specific life situations the Holy Spirit will lead us in those things and so we can grab a hold of this promise like God has promised to reveal to us what needs revealing in those times insofar as we are obedient to present ourselves as living sacrifices and reject confirmation conformation to this world and be transformed by the renewal of our mind and so to switch gears kind of rapidly here um how does this spiritual conformity to the world relate to nutritional conformity like food and diet etc and i'm going to admit this, this verse doesn't directly relate, okay? My goal in going through Romans 12 was to show the principle of conformity, spiritual conformity, and how we are to reject that. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 is about the act of spiritual worship. However, spiritual worship is displayed both in our unseen characteristics, which is our heart and mind, as well as our physical characteristics and our words and deeds. And so we we have to understand that our conformity to the world is not just in spiritual things or unseen things but it's also in physical things that we can see and all too often we are conforming to whatever the world tells us to do even when it comes to eating right now i'm reading this book called tasting grace thank thank you thank you thank you to my friend over at two chefs uh who recommended it to me And there's a quote in the book that says, what society says about food isn't necessarily what God says about food. And if we aren't paying attention, we can fall into the world's ways. What are some of those ways? Can you think of any? Immediately, I think of diet culture. Like diet culture is trash upon trash upon trash. And it's just going from one thing to another. Let me pause real quick. If you can hear this like noise in the background, it's because we're having work done on the foundation of our home. And I thought that they were done when I started recording. So you might hear a little bit of that, that noise right there. (laughs) So as I was saying, so diet culture is trash upon trash upon trash. Okay. And it, it just, it's going back. It's yo-yoing. All you're doing is going from one thing to another. And you're just, it reminds me of um, that one verse in James where you're like tossed to and fro. You're a wave tossed to and fro. You have no stability whatsoever. And diet culture promises these changes that we seek. And sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes it's because of, we have a health reason, right? A lot of times it's a reason of vanity. <laughs> it's not because of health at all. Um, so I, I like to have integrity and be honest here. Um, and so diet culture is an, is a way that we are conforming to the world. That is not what God has called us to in taking care of our bodies. Um, I've seen women start a particular diet and then develop something called orthorexia. And this is when you are so obsessed with what you can eat or that you are like, afraid of foods that you cannot eat so there's like specific foods on this diet that you started whether that be something like 
autoimmune protocol or the ketogenic diet or whatever that you then like your identity becomes wrapped up in this diet that you are on and as christian women we are never ever to allow our identity to be wrapped up in something outside of christ like we are in christ and that is who we are that is where our our identity is found and it should not be uh based upon the style that we choose to eat um and so diet culture is conformity to the world and maybe it's the other side of the coin maybe it's not obsession with food maybe it's that we don't even take the time to know or understand it at all i'm gonna tell you that that too is another way that we are conforming to the world like to choose not to invest and not to care for your body the body that you're privileged with is is to to be like the world like you are you're saying that your body is unimportant it's just this physical thing that there's no need to care for it and i think that that was like a heresy in the early church um that you you just you don't even do any research you don't do any thinking at all okay and so we are we are and or it could be like besides just eating whatever it could be that you only listen to one side when it comes to nutrition um so maybe you've only heard fat is bad maybe you've only heard we should completely be vegans and plant-based everything or or maybe you heard that we should be straight carnivores like let's go to both sides of the extremes and we only listen to one side and we we what we do is we we it's like the proverb the pro uh 18 18 17 i think my husband's teaching on it the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines it and so we we have to be diligent to not only listen to the first who's pleading his case but allow for for examination to occur um we should be thinking uh critically about all things (laughs) everything critical thinking is important in all of life and we too often don't allow or don't make room or don't care for the examination to occur when it comes to food stuff and so we just take things at face value my doctor said this and so it must be right and i'm here to tell you that's not always true um just like the bereans went and searched the scriptures to confirm that the apostles were teaching biblically we should be diligent to confirm that what our doctors are telling us is true um they may not know uh, that they're wrong, right? But we're not to take what they say at face value. And then uh, we are, like, we're not to plug our ears. We're not to have confirmation bias. And this leads to a lack of healthy curiosity to discover what is true. Like, we should be detectives, making sure that we are seeking truth in all things. And so worship is not just about standing on the altar and not budging. Worship is an act of the mind. Not James, John 4, we're to worship in spirit and in truth, right? Or in Matthew, we're to worship with all our heart, mind, and strength. And so we should be thinking critically about all of the things in order to better uh, worship God even in our food. 
And so food, if we think about it, was at the heart of humanity's first requirement of obedience and first act of disobedience. So how do you relate to food? Is it like the world? Is it for pure pleasure? Like, I mean, the hashtag is food porn for a reason. It's not for nothing, okay? Do you just like relate to it in a sense that you have no restrictions, no care? Because that's what leads to drunkenness and gluttony. That's that's where pure pleasure leads you when it comes to food. Um, No regard whatsoever is a place of drunkenness and gluttony. Or, I mean, but that's not to say that we shouldn't enjoy food. God made food to be pleasurable. When Eve was in the garden before sinning, she found the fruit of the tree to be pleasing to the eye. And so it is not a bad thing that we enjoy food, but pleasure has parameters in God's kingdom. Freedom comes when restraint is a virtue, not a no-holds-bar kind of lifestyle. Freedom comes when we can say no to things, not when we give in to everything. And so if you're relating to food in a no holds barred kind of way, then you're not free. You don't have true food freedom. Um, Or maybe you relate to food as a source of control. Like maybe you just have to control something. So you're always counting calories or you're always paying attention to your macros and there's, or you always have to look at all of the ingredients and You've developed orthorexia. Let's be real, okay? When you come to food in that kind of attitude, you are dethroning God in your eating habits because the only one who really has all control is not you. It's God. God is the one who is omnipotent, not you. He has all the power, not you. And so if you're trying to control something, this is yet another way that you are trying to dethrone God. You are not giving him the control over your eating. You're choosing to make sure that you have all the control. And we'll get into like special diets and when they should be implemented and whatnot. So it's not to say that we shouldn't ever have any kind of guards. Um, It's just to say that when we are so let's just put it this way. You know when it is a source of control for you. Um, I have parameters around my eating habits for me and for my family, for everyone's health. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner for a reason, right? But when we are visiting other family members, I'm not so strict on, no, you can't have that cake. Like, we, we are going to enjoy our time with our family. Food is a is a celebratory thing. It's a thing where we can relate to other people. And so I don't want it to be so restrictive that we cannot enjoy our time with other people. And so if that is where you are, like it's just, and it's not a health reason, it's just you've become so obsessed. You have dethroned God and you're eating. And eating is this like universal act in which we humans show that we are dependent and not independent, okay? We're showing that we don't really have the control. So even in you're trying to control the food, you still don't have control because you're showing that you are depending. You are depending for your existence. Eating reminds us that we're not the creator, but the creature. Presently, we are not eternal. We are going to die, but God never dies. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we are always changing. (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, Eating your food is not just an act you perform to not die. It is, however, 
an opportunity to be mindful and intentional of your humanity and to care for it. It's an opportunity to remind yourself of God's rightful place. He is your creator and your sustainer. And the food that you are consuming is his gift to you to not die. (laughs) But with that, let's quickly go over when special diets actually should be implemented. So there are so many different kinds of special diets. There's, I mentioned the autoimmune paleo diet, the AIP. There's an antifungal diet, antiparasitic diet. You could do the um, low FODMAPs diet if you have SIBO. There's a SIBO diet in particular. There's a specific carbohydrate diet. There's a low nightshade diet. There's intermittent fasting. There's the GAPS diet, which is the gut and psychology syndrome diet. So it ties the like gut brain access or connection there's the paleo diet there's the low oxalate diet like there are so many different kinds of diets that you can employ but when when should we employ those things so in my practice with my clients these are diets that we employ depending on what's happening in their particular body and only for a short period of time these diets are not permanent Special diets are not supposed to be lifelong. We don't cut out entire food groups forever. The purpose of restriction for a time is to restore homeostasis or to restore balance in your body. So there might be things that are off and need repair, but the the restriction is to help bring that repair, to help bring back that balance. It is true that there are some people that may need longer term restrictions or even lifelong. For example, if you have an autoimmune disorder, you should probably never have grains or gluten. If you have Crohn's, you should probably never have grains or gluten. And there might be other things that trigger certain um, reactions or symptoms in your body. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one who started AIP and got so scared to not eat AIP again and never really reintroduced foods. The purpose of those restrictions are to reintroduce foods and to see how your body responds. It's to heal it. It's not to restrict it. And so an illness can dictate a way of eating, but the end goal is not restriction. The end goal is abundance. And that looks different for everyone. We can't keep applying the same rules that worked for our mom friends, right? We need to listen to and learn to pay attention to our body. We need to learn the signs of distress. We need to put in the mental work. Pay attention. Renew your mind around food. It's not just for pleasure. It's not just a source of control. It's an opportunity for obedience and care of our bodies. And so with that, like we have this command to not conform to the world spiritually, but to be transformed, right? Um, but we should also understand that, that we shouldn't be conforming to the world nutritionally. We are to have true fe- freedom. And freedom doesn't come from, from like just enjoying whatever you want to enjoy. Because if we're honest, like we'll probably feel like trash. Um, or it doesn't come from trying to control every single detail. Because we're not controlling it at that point. We're showing we don't have control. Um, what happens, freedom comes from understanding food's purpose in our life and, and showing God that we are honoring his position as creator in our eating. We thank him for the provision of the nourishment of our bodies. And we pay attention to the, the response that our fallen body gives us when we eat certain foods. And so 
I may not respond well to beans. Right now, I'm not responding well at all to dairy. And so I've eliminated that in order to care for my body in such a way that we can rebuild and rebalance it. Um, there are things that I think no one should eat. Top two, right off the bat. Please, forever, get rid of canola oil, vegetable oils, all of those crap processed oils. You are doing damage to your body. They're toxic and they're just making your cells more toxic. And I can do a whole podcast on vegetable oils. Just dump them and never pick them up again. And then your processed foods should should be very minimal, but crap processed foods, and you know which ones they are, I don't need to name names, should just be eliminated because you're going to feel like trash. It's not going to serve you. You should be eating food that serves you, that gives you the energy that you need to fulfill your purpose on this earth, to be able to parent better, to be a better mother, to be a better wife, to be a better daughter, to just be a better you for you. And so to end here we are not to be conformed to this world spiritually neither should we conform nutritionally have a great day